Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Well, well, well. Heath Pierce and Jimmy Conrad are back, which means CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers continues. We are heading into match day five. So much has happened, but I will say, if you haven't been paying attention, the U.S. are currently, and I say currently because we don't know which U.S. we're going to get from here on out, top of the standings, uh, tied on uh, or ahead on goal difference. And uh, Jimmy and I are going to break down our thoughts heading into the U.S. versus Panama, Panama versus U.S. Actually, Panama is playing at home. Uh, Kegel also Pod begins right now. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Um, this show should, is really nothing without you guys. So do us a favor and subscribe to the Kegelasso podcast wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a review. It takes no time at all. It helps us get found, helps us work the algorithm so that more people can enjoy being part of this community. And one last thing before you get into it, before we get into this preview, make sure you subscribe to the Kegelasso podcast. It costs you nothing. It earns you karma points in your life, something like that. It makes Jimmy, you know, Jimmy might eventually send you. There's not a lot of people, by the way, that, that, that Jimmy hasn't sent free stuff to at some point. So if you just <laughs> stick around long enough, he'll hook you up with something. Um, but Jimmy, how are you, man? I, uh, I'm, I'm way up here in the clouds, Heath. Uh, I'm looking down now because we're on top of the table. We're looking down at everybody. Ah, it's so nice to be at the hair. The air up here is it smells mm. so nice and so sweet up here in the clouds. But that's what I worry about as well, is that we might start buying into our own hype. Uh, not that I really worry about that, because I saw a quote from Greg Berhalter after the game against Jamaica going, I don't want us to think, or if we start thinking, that by us playing very well against Jamaica, that we've already qualified for the World Cup, we're going to get our asses kicked when we go down to Panama. So there is a moment, and I'm sure he wants us for his team too, you got to enjoy the process. You have to uh, derive satisfaction from that type of performance. But can we do even better the next time out? Can we manage the next obstacle that's in our way? And I think that's going to be the next challenge for this group. But I will say, I feel like we've got some nice mature heads for a lot of younger players. And, and I'm excited. I this, this team, every time I watch them play, there's little things that I really, really enjoy about their performances and, and uh, individuals that have stepped up when you didn't maybe think they were going to. So it's great. It's a great time to be a U.S. fan. I don't even know. Greg Berhalter in. I don't know who this Berhalter out people are. <laughs> Greg Berhalter in all the way. Hey, Jimmy, we're going to get into all of the upcoming matches. Uh, but before that, because of when we did our recap of, of the U.S. game, all the matches hadn't completed. So we're going to go through a little bit of what happened um, before we go into what's maybe going to happen moving <laughs> forward. But just a reminder to everybody, all of these matches uh, coming up on Sunday will be live on Paramount Plus. So make yes. sure you, you turn in for that. We'll give you the kickoff time when we get into those to those matches themselves. But here's a look at the live standings. U.S. on top with eight points, for those of you who are just listening to this in audio form. Mexico on eight points. Canada on six. Panama on five. El Salvador on five. And then as we get down to Costa Rica, Honduras, and Jamaica, three points between Con Costa Rica and Honduras. And Jamaica, the only team still sitting on a single point, um, which, uh, Jimmy... Uh, you know, looking at these standings right now, are you are you comfortable? Oh no, I don't. I'm never comfortable in World Cup qualifying, especially after the 
the effects of not qualifying for the World Cup in 2018 and still, you know, a little nervy, but I I like where we are. I, I'm I'm excited that we, despite kind of not playing great for the first two and a half games in the opening window, find ourselves on top after four games. I think it really speaks to this quality that we showed over the whole summer as well, that we can still get results even if we don't play well. So I want that to continue, and that seems to be happening. I will say, speaking of the Gold Cup in particular, there were two teams that really stood out during that tournament and kind of showed signs of what they might be capable of this this time around. And it's Canada and it's El Salvador. I thought El Salvador was excellent this past game against Panama at home. They really dictated the terms. They were all over Panama. Panama didn't get one shot on goal. Now, El Salvador haven't given up a goal yet at home. They had two 0-0 draws and then just beat Panama 1-0. So they know how to get it done there. It's away from home that I worry about with them a little bit. And I will say as a caveat, to El Salvador, just to talk about them briefly, they lost their game against Canada on that last match day when they looked tired. They just don't have the depth. So I always feel like we're going to get a good performance in the opening game of a window for El Salvador. But then as it goes on, I could see them starting to fall apart a little bit. So if they can just manage that, who knows? I was really, really impressed with their performance. Rivas, their goalkeeper, Martinez, was excellent. And and I like I like Hugo Perez and what he's doing there with that squad. Very, very impressive performance. Panama, for me, actually pretty disappointing. I was expecting a lot more in this one. They just needed a draw, but it's going to be a tough test for us uh, regardless. It's not easy to get a result anytime you're on the road, and we've talked about it ad nauseum in CONCACAF. So it should be a good game, but uh, obviously super impressed with El Salvador. And obviously to segue now to the other team I was going to mention, Canada, who got a, a tremendous 1-1 result in Mexico City at Estadio Azteca in front of fans. So that's yeah. not easy to do. Yeah, I, I wanted to say, and ju- just for everybody, the, the, for, just so you have the scores, Mexico drew Canada 1-1. They were at home, as Jimmy just mentioned. Uh, Panama lost El Salvador uh, 1-0. Honduras, Costa Rica drew 0-0 as well. But, Jimmy, I can't remember the last time that I saw a team. And, you know, we the U.S. has been focusing on this verticality, right? The, mm-hmm. This idea of verticality. But... Everyone seems to be focusing on that. If you look at the last round of games, El Salvador picking off balls uh, in, in difficult spots against against this Panamanian side, you know, winning the ball in higher areas, lumping the ball forward to win second balls and get into good spots. Canada, same thing, just willing to say, you know what, we're going to spring out with four or five players against you every time we're in the attack. If you looked at Canada, almost every time they attacked with any sort of uh, enthusiasm, you'd find five players around the box. And now you've got Alfonso Davies, coming after you and he draws players in and out of spaces and it just looks like they figured out something that works obviously Mexico very good but I can't remember a team that that went to the Aztec and looked that comfortable um and again we're not talking about the atmosphere or the attendance of uh, like just the noise didn't seem to be as crazy as I as, as I expected it but nonetheless playing even at an empty Aztec at such a hallowed ground um you would you would expect Mexico to have a, a huge sort of uh, favor in that game. But to see Canada do it, I think that gives hopes to the U.S., but it also makes me fear as we look at those standings. Uh, again, Des, if we can bring that up just one more time, just how difficult it's going to be now that El Salvador got the points that they needed. Costa Rica, by the way, have only given up uh, two goals as well uh, so far in this tournament that, you know, when you look from... They've from, only scored from, one, though. Let's just be... Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's I, 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 I'll, I'll give you that. But, like, also being fundamentally good in, in the back can get you points later on. And we're talking about 14 matches that you get to play. We're four games in. There's plenty of points still out there. And if you're looking at the top five, five points, three points separating first to fifth, uh, I, I believe in the U.S., but we mm-hmm. can see that being at the helm at the moment 
one loss and a few things to go the other way. And now you find yourself in fourth place and then you can find yourself in fifth place. And so I think, you know, the goal is to be able to start separating those packs and not get caught up into that sort of middle leg, kind of how they yeah, do in, right. in, in right. some of those uh, road races where once you get caught in the middle pack or F1, for example, it's hard, really hard to get out because you're just fighting with people within there to establish yourself for the third or fourth position. No, I would uh, concur with those sentiments that uh, things can change very quickly in CONCACAF, as we've learned many times over in our World Cup qualifying history. This one in particular, and I'm actually, let me just bring it back because I did want to mention something about Canada that I was really impressed about. And even though we mentioned it in the preview with WISO, that Canada had something in that Gold Cup semifinal where they just didn't look scared of Mexico. And I think that continued when they went down to Azteca. But we usually when you play against Mexico in Mexico City, they have double the passes, total passes. And when you look at the stats between Mexico and Canada, Canada was almost even with Mexico in total passes and almost even in possession. And I actually think that's the most impressive thing because it's so hard to go down there and get a grip of the game because Mexico is so good at, at using the crowd to their advantage, to, to taking any kind of rhythm and flow out of what you want to do. And, and the fact that Canada was getting meaningful possession in their half was, was attacking with some, we could see it, a real threat, whether it was Alfonso Davies or Jonathan David or whoever else, they were going with that type of commitment. And I think that commitment, that word, that commitment is something that we're seeing from Canada in a way that we haven't seen before because that, that commitment is now locked in with belief and commitment and belief with, with results that are going along with that is a really, really incredible combination unless they're your opponent. And then you're like, God damn it, these guys really believe in themselves and this is going to be a long one. Now, Canada's got a really important game against Jamaica in this upcoming, this upcoming match. And Jamaica, obviously, they're on the ropes right now. They're playing at home. They lost 3-0 to Panama. I feel like if, if Canada... Jimmy, can Jimmy, you gotta, game, you gotta, we got we to save these thoughts for, for later on. We're, we're burying the lead, man. We got we to gotta get to you. We got to get to U.S. Panama. You're, really, I want, you're a good I wanna, You're a good I, host. I want to I wanna, I wanna, I get that. But if, if you give it to me now, I'm not going to get okay. it from you after That's the break. Good. People got to stay not, after not, the break. Not with the same that. enthusiasm. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Listen, let's, get to, let, let's, talk, let's talk U.S. and then we'll get back to this Canada side because you and I could talk about this Canada side because it's really impressive. And, and they're doing well, even though we made fun of John Herdsman back in the summer for calling everything a final, which seems to be working, planting that seed in the mentality <laughs> of the team, as you mentioned. So this game kicks off 6.05 p.m. Eastern time on Paramount+. Plus. Pre-game show begins at 5 p.m. Panama versus the U.S. Jimmy, Panama went the entire 2018 cycle without losing at home. And again, I'm not really one for grabbing, you know, something that happened almost four years ago into now. But there is still this idea of win your home games. And, you know, that helped them qualify for a World Cup. You, you get your results at home game. I think they only won two, drew three, or maybe won three, drew two. But they were still really solid at home. Do you think... That is a, a mentality that they have as well. I mean, we've obviously saw their vulnerabilities now for the first time, I think, in, in this qualifying against mm -hmm. against El Salvador. But they're, they're playing at home. I mean, what are your initial thoughts on just the, the home field advantage for this Panamanian side in this match? Okay, if you're going to start throwing stats at me, I got one for you to counter this. The U.S. is unbeaten in 19 straight games versus CONCACAF teams, which is the second longest streak in team history. They lost last loss in 2019 against Canada. Now, Greg Berhalter... Of his 39 games in charge, 31 of them have been against CONCACAF. Only four losses, 25 wins, two draws, four losses. So, I don't know. I think Greg Berhalter is doing something all right. I will say, though, with regard to Panama in particular, they are missing a few key players. They've got some injuries. They they didn't look good. They play a 4-4-2, and they don't get away from that 4-4-2. But just to if, – if, if I'm Panama, this is something I'm considering. 
and thinking about the U.S. have not scored in the scored in the first half in seven consecutive games. And if you can score on them early, I think you put yourself in a very good position to make them suffer in a way that they haven't suffered in quite some time. And, and that's what I would be trying to emphasize if I'm the coach of Panama. Yeah. We got to get after them early. Now, especially because job. Anthony Robinson is out. Okay, he came in with a little bit of a knock, but he played 90, didn't get risked. He's going to stay at home. Zach Steffen, well, he got quarantined things too. I don't think he could go either, but he was still nursing a little bit of an injury. Zach Steffen can't go. And I believe Weston McKinney's not going to be traveling either. So those three changes, well, Zach Steffen didn't play, but those two obviously were Anthony Robinson and McKinney were pretty pivotal. So we'll see what the lineup's going to be. I think he was going to, you know, he was going to switch up the lineup anyway. I just wonder how many changes he's going to make because. One of the things I did notice against Jamaica, despite us having a very good performance, is that it took us a while to kind of find how we're going to move, not necessarily in a 4-3-3, but getting used to these players in different spaces. Like, is is Aronson going to run into McKinney? Can McKinney bomb forward? Okay, if, if, if Ariola's coming inside, where does Ricardo Pepe supposed to, you know? And so that just had to yeah. get worked out. And you can talk about it, right? You can write it on paper. You can show video. You can even walk through it in training. But it's nothing like a game when everything is at 100 miles an hour. So... That needed to get worked out, and maybe that's my fear. Maybe that's why we haven't scored uh, in, in early in any of these games, which is a pretty incredible stat that we haven't scored in the first half in our last seven. Yeah, I think I think we do have a, a, a for lack of a better term, a quality control issue, right? We have now all of this talent, and they play in different systems. And we've talked about this as the development of the U.S., of all of these players coming from different backgrounds, different cultural identities, on how if you come out of Germany – you play German football, right? And you might have creativity, but you get... It's, it's foosball. Play. Yeah, foosball. You play, <laughs> yeah, you play Deutsche Fußball. And, uh, and and I think that's already one thing, right? So how FC Dallas's academy is developing players is going to be very different than how New England Revolution and other players like that. And you have these guys going abroad. And then you add that to the fact that now we have these top quality players that are used to... Re- their roles and responsibilities are very different. Now, I think they're intelligent enough to figure it out, which we're seeing they're doing in the second half. I, I, there was some crazy stat that it was like zero for 11 completed crosses in the first yeah, half. It's like that. seven or something. I'm, I'm butchering stats for sure, but it was zero, I know, in the first half and then more in the second half. And I think that does play into that. One is settle, you know, trying to find the game, take what the game mm-hmm. gives you, trying to understand where the spaces and pockets are, trying to unlock teams, trying to be patient as well. You know, when you know that you have a system that works but it's not uh, leading to goals. You don't want to dump the system if you see something within all of that. And so, uh, you know, in terms of changes, Jimmy, do you think, I mean, we knew Greg Berhalter was going to make changes, right? He, 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 he has become our master tinker. And I think rightfully so in some cases and over tinkering and other times uh, as well, but his greatest tinkering came in the second half uh, for Hon- for Honduras, but saved his uh, job, maybe. Yeah, saved, saved his job, maybe. And I think there's a, there's a maturity in that to, to understand when, when you need to make some changes. But do you think that it, it the, that tinker, do you think he went into this, I guess, three match window and was like, you know what, second game, we're going to look something like this. We'll see how this first game plays out in terms of points. Or do you think he had it all along saying, this is who we're going to go with game one, game two, game three, or is there a mix of both you think? Uh, well, knowing Greg, like we do, he was definitely, I think, very organized with regard to what he wanted to do, what he wanted to see. And maybe he gave some room. I assume he did that. Hey, if somebody plays very well in the first game, then we'll maybe consider what kind of role they can provide for us in game two, whether it's started game one, but now are really moving into that super sub kind of role for game two or started game one. And we're so good. We can't deny him for game two. And I'm looking at you, Ricardo Pepe. I mean, I find it interesting with regard to Matthew Hoppy, who didn't get off the bench. I could see Greg having a conversation with him 
prior to this window going, hey, you're going to get your chance to start. And we're going to give it to you probably in Panama. I'll give him the probably. But then when Ricardo Pepe scores two goals, I mean, what do you, you can't, you can't take that guy out. And you subbed him off early. So it's kind of showing your intent that you do want to save his legs so that he can have that. You want to have some consistency in this lineup. We can't have 11 new players. But my fear with Matthew Hopping, he's come out and stated it publicly. He doesn't like playing out on the wing. He doesn't think that's where he's at his best. Are we ready to switch into a formation where we have Pepe and Hoppy playing together at the same time up high? Yeah. I, I can't remember the last I, time two strikers played together ever in the planet. You know, it just doesn't happen anymore. No, it doesn't like happen that. anymore. And and Hoppy has shown that he I'd I'd love to see it too, but are we are are we prepared or we can we organize enough with everybody else? And I'm sure we can to some I mean these guys are top professionals to figure it out. But is that our are we just are we are we square peg round hole there because we would just want to get Matthew Hoppy on the field as opposed to kind of putting guys in their best spots? And so it did make me a little bit nervous that that because Anthony Robinson's not coming, uh, here we go, Sergio Dest on the left. I'm like, please, for the love of God, don't put Sergio Dest on the left. I'd rather have 18-year-old George Bello playing in his best spot as opposed to forcing Dest to play somewhere. And he came off with a knock, so I really don't think we're going to see Dest in this game anyway. Maybe he he wasn't going to play in this one. But but these are the little things that, that I'm curious about because you know, some of the projected lineups I'm seeing around the internet, and there's a lot of people that got projected lineups there's a lot of changes. We're talking seven, eight changes, and that's a lot from game to game. And I feel like four or five can be is is makes sense. But you got to put guys in their best spots. Mm-hmm. I can't. I don't want to see Tyler Adams playing wing back and Dest on the left. I just I don't want to see that. I, I think we want to. Yeah. I want to be done with that experiment. I, I think we're to a point now where where like you said, Jimmy, and I know you've been harping on this since before it even started, which is like put your players in their best positions to succeed. That will help mm-hmm. the team to 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 win. I think now we've gotten the sample size needed after four games to know that we should not be going into this Panama game going, I wonder who's best for this match. You know, I wonder, <laughs> yeah. I wonder who we should be looking at. Because if you look again, the second half against Honduras, that's what I'm trying to tap into. And I'm going back that that that, that theme of of these players that will know how to go out there and scrap and fight. And I once we win. The, the the ground game, once we win that fighting game and the game settles in, which you have to go out and win. You have to earn that. That is a that is an actual part of the game that you have to go out and establish dominance over. Then you'll see these players come to life in a different way. And I think that also plays into our second half type of mentality. It's like we're kind of working through that in the first half of like, oh, we might have to play ugly for a while before we get to play pretty. And that's coming in the second half when things, you know, we take a deep breath, we get into mm-hmm. halftime, we realize, okay, where are the spaces? How can we improve this the other team were maybe wearing them down a little bit from a fatigue standpoint but do you think ricardo pepe this is my worry about ricardo pepe by the way is now he scored he was on top of the world in uh, the honduras game now he's even more on top of the world i'm not saying him personally but the way that we view him and i think and i worry about our perception of him as a striker largely uninvolved in the first half against Honduras, largely uninvolved in the first half against Jamaica because of the system, because of, I think he he, he showed a presence when he got the ball, his willingness mm-hmm. to do things, mm-hmm. but I'm saying largely uninvolved in the way that we are judging him, right? Which is a striker and a modern striker that's supposed to be really exciting and do things the way that we look at a Pulisic or a Gio Reyna when they get on the ball and they do really exciting things or an Mbappe type of player that's stretching teams. He's not that guy. He needs things around him to happen. And if you put him into these good spots, and I do think he'll develop more of these tools, but I worry about us putting pressure on him to do more than what he's doing now, and that's score goals. He will score goals for this national team. I think he'll score goals for this national team for a very long time. But do you think it's an unrealistic pressure now to say that this is our striker, our number nine, home and away, and 
and he's got to find ways to, to to score goals that perhaps uh, the team's not equipped for setting him up for yet? No, that's a great question. I would say that with regard to Ricardo Pepe, I think you continue to encourage him down the path that he's on. And to your point, not force him to play out of his comfort zone until it's like just drastically needed. The thing what's actually quite awesome about our team is that we can hurt you in a lot of different ways now. We can create numerical advantages out wide and desks can, can be bombing forward on one side, Anthony Robinson on the, on the other. You can have Weston McKinney making late runs. We can hit you on set pieces. We can hit you on the counter with when Pulisic in particular is healthy. We have all these different weapons. Aronson's obviously been very bright and uh, continues to, I think, impress in a lot of different ways and then with little things and nuance and his, his counter pressing is amazing. So I think Ricardo Pepe is actually in a system that allows him to not have to take these big steps of expectations that he might not be ready for yet, to your point. So I wouldn't push him too hard. Now, you, I think you can say, hey, listen, let, let's look at one or two plays here where you could have come back in and maybe helped us you know, unlock that pressure in midfield and, and maybe identifying these little things or when the ball goes wide. To your point, our, our crossing was terrible in the first half. We had zero for 11 into the box what do you get no striker is going to be happy with that he can't have any impact if we're not like whipping the ball into good spots I do want to mention though and it took me I had to watch it like six times to remember when Paul Areola got in behind Jamaica 30 seconds in it was Pepe that played that ball through I, I always just thought it was like Musa or McKinney or, or somebody from midfield but it was actually Pepe that dropped in and played played the ball that unlocked that whole play that should have been a red card so he still was doing a couple things but I think we just want to see his involvement a little bit more because outside of that play, I remember watching going, I haven't seen Ricardo Pepe touch it. It was like the 30th minute, you know, where I'm, I'm like, I'm, he's not being involved. I'm cool with that, though. At the, at the moment that he's doing, you know, when you talk about his best strength, like no one was asking. And this is again, this this might get me crushed for this, but no one ever asked Wando to come out and find more things to do other than have energy and score goals. Oh, right? I'm sure they do. Just I mean, they, I mean, I'm sure they do. But like, <laughs> but when you when you realize what Wando's best at, you're like, dude, I don't want you back here. Now right, I know right, that right. you're going to come back here. I know you're going to track back. You're going to make tackles. You're going to be a f great first. Wando's out here gonna, kicking kicking yeah. asses of fans that jump on yeah. the field. I'm <laughs> yeah, Wando. yeah, like like, but like in terms of what Wando's best at and what he made his career on, which will get him into some sort of Hall of Fame groups with the amount of goals he scored, As is that should. one thing? Yeah, is 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 what he does in the box, and I I think he's a completely different type of player than than Ricardo Pepe. But what I'm saying with Ricardo Pepe is that it's still system based. I don't think we're trying to integrate our striker into the buildup of all these things. Now, as we get more vertical for lumping the ball forward, things like that, I think that's, that's uh, fine. So Jimmy, let's, let's talk about your, your starting 11. Let's, let's discuss that then with regard to the fact that we're on to match day five. And by the way, I like saying match day five more than, than game two of the triple fixture date, sure, because I sure, feel sure. like we were lumping all those together. We were putting too much pressure on these guys. We're taking it <laughs> one game. Hey, we're on, we're on the Greg Berhalter one game at a time thing. This is match day five. It's isolated from every other match in qualifying, focusing on this U S is traveling to Panama away. Who do you want uh, and goal and give me your back line. Captain cliche over here, Hollywood Heath Pierce. I'll one go with game Matt at Turner. A time. One Matt game Turner, at a time. Matt Turner's going to start in goal. Zach Steffen not going, and Matt Turner's done more than enough to really con or to continue to solidify his his position as the number one goalkeeper. I think even Zach Steffen, you know, at some point when you're on the team, you're like, yeah, that guy's playing really well. I I I, I get it. I know I'm on the bench. There's just no way that I could replace or or really improve upon how this player is performing. You just have to wait for a pot potential dip in form or an injury to get back in and prove yourself. And I think that's where Zach Steffen is right now. But he's not traveling, so Matt Turner for sure. 
As I mentioned before, Anthony Robinson's not coming. I think that's a bit of a big loss for us. So he was pretty pivotal in our last away game against Honduras, scoring early to really set the tone in the second half and uh, leading us into that four-goal half. Now, George Bello, I want to see. He's got the experience. He's played in some CONCACAF Champions Leagues, away from home in particular. He started against Honduras. Didn't go particularly well for him, but I don't think our formation was best suited for what he's capable of, and then started against Mexico in the Gold Cup final as well. He's got the chops. We could argue he's got more CONCACAF experience if you add the CONCACAF Champions League in than Anthony Robinson. So Bello, I think, will be fine. He's still uh, by the way, are, you, are you scrapping the back back, back three? No, I'm going go back, back four. four. I'm going okay. straight back yeah. four. Yeah, I don't yeah. think we – I thought we looked comfortable in the 4-3-3, and I don't want us to change from that just to yeah. adjust to, to an opponent. So I got Bello. I'm going to say Miles Robinson. He, him, and Matt Turner are the only two players to play every single minute so far through qualifying. I don't I was think that's going to change. I was shocked when I read that, by the way. And I, I, I for, for some reason, I just didn't process the fact that imagine you're Miles Robinson, by the way, and you're like, well, I don't know who's going to play next to me this next coming game. Like, you yeah, just, yeah. yeah. Like, like three oh, months not, ago, you, yeah. he hadn't even really played for the national team. And yeah. Then. He was getting his start <laughs> with the Gold Cup, and you're like, yeah, he's got some flashes and stuff. The U.S. isn't playing great, but he's, you know, holding down the back line against pretty weakened opponents. And now he's like, I don't know who I'm going to play with. I got to figure yeah, yeah. out this next <laughs> He's the game. guy now. <laughs> yeah. Like who, who's next to me. And that's actually a lot like to have that consistency, I think is really important, but he's Greg's gone with a young guy uh, to, to, to get that experience. And then next to him, it's up to these other players to, to prove something. Right. Um, and again, like he's, he, they haven't lost. So I, I think it's pretty great. Yeah, no, I think it's great too. He also, as a former number twelve center back for the U.S., I'm very proud to see another number twelve dominating out there. So eight zero and two, Jimmy. By the way, uh, Des just threw this up on the screen. The U.S. has gone eight zero and two with uh, Matt Turner and Miles Robinson on uh, on the field. Well, and by the way, th to follow up on that on that quick stat, the U.S. is unbeaten in fourteen straight competitive games, Jimmy. I know. fourteen straight competitive games. That's pretty wild. Now. Again, it just so happens that those competitive games went from, you know, Nations League to Gold Cup to to this. But there's still something to be said to what you've been talking about a lot with, with regard to all this, which is they know how to get results. They know how to stay in games. They know how to not lose. And I think there's something really powerful in that. And we're seeing that now in the form of statistics, not just individual games. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean no, to no, no worries. I was just going to, you know actually throw you another easy cliche if it ain't yes. broke don't fix it right and with miles robinson and matt turner there's no reason to bring him out of the team right now i would actually roll with mark mckenzie next to him they obviously have that experience in honduras i think there is some rapport there in tough situations away from home zimmerman i thought was fantastic against jamaica he won every single one of his aerial duels i think he had more uh uh, I don't know what the, the name of the stat is, but more takeaways than than any other player. He on the won field. all of his aerial duels. Every one that he went up yeah, for against he won. Shamar Nicholson, who's six foot four. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, fair play to Walker Zimmerman. And I just thought he was solid. You could potentially roll him out again, but I do think that there was probably some decisions to be made. Like if Zimmerman starts here, we're going to give McKenzie the next one. And because they have that experience in Honduras, I think you roll with that. And then I go with Yedlin. Yedlin also came in on the second half against Honduras. You give Dest that rest. Yedlin has more CONCACAF qualifying experience than any other player out on the field. And I think that you have, it's a lot of changes to a back line, but because these players have played together already and have some experience and rapport. And also I did want to mention just for everybody to think about, and I thought about it while you were talking a little bit earlier, Heath, one of the mistakes that I think Bruce Arena did make the last World Cup qualifying phase is after we beat, was it Panama 4-0 in Orlando? And then we went down to Trinidad to get that result. He rolled out the same team. And I remember looking at the bench going, man, if you just would have given certain of those players, not all of them, you'd have to change everybody. But if you would have made four or five 
changes and gave those other players that were a little bit hungrier to go out and get a result, I bet you we would have qualified for the 2018 World Cup. Now, there's a lot of what-ifs there, and obviously, you know, it's hindsight to be a Monday, Monday morning quarterback. But I feel like maybe Greg is tapping into that a little bit because we have the options and because now he's given a lot of experience to a lot of different players. So that's a lot of changes to the back line, but that's what I'd like to see. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I, I agree with you on that back line. And I, the only thing that I would say is I'm, I'm looking at uh, DeAndre Yellen in the eyes before the game, and I'm saying, hey, man, pick and choose your moments to go forward. Yeah, you exactly. are a defender first. You're playing away from home. Remember that. And you're our oldest guy. Don't yeah, be like, lead by making good decisions on the ball. Yeah. You know, don't be the one that's out there making the most mistakes because then everybody's like, all right, DeAndre's yeah. not, not doing his job. And then, and then when I look at um, uh, Mark McKenzie or, or, um, or I'm, I'm now I'm blanking on, on Miles Robinson. Uh, no, Walker Zimmerman. Zimmerman. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, when, when I'm, when I'm looking at those two, what I like about both of them, either of them, for this game. And it's the same with Robinson is that uh there has be there is a simplicity to their game that they have mm-hmm. shown that makes the game more predictable. Jimmy, you've played on teams before where you're missing some of your key players in the build up or your quality or your technical players and you're forced to play different, right? You're you right. know that okay, I'm Jimmy Conrad, I'm going to play the square ball to a different center back who's not comfortable driving the ball up the field, they're That's not true. comfortable with the long diagonal. So now we got to play differently, right? And now you got to find a way to make that person better. So maybe they're laying that ball back to you or the press or or the buildup starts going a different direction. And I think that predictability and that willingness to play simple forces this team to, to or force Greg Sand over time to go, oh yeah, we're not going to play through everybody. We're not going to play out. You know, if you, again, I go back to the second half against Honduras and Mar- all Mark McKenzie did was scrap, win duels, kick the ball up into the stands, get back into position and do it over and over again to see mm-hmm. out that win. Now, Granted, when you're scoring that many goals, it simplifies what your role in the team is. And I think the same thing with Zimmerman. It's just winning those duels, those those kind of those sub battles of the game, which establishes a different level. So I I, I like that. Let's let's uh let's give me your midfield and your, I'll, get, your, I'll, your, I'll give your you a front line. six, baby. Let's go to the front six. So we did our back line and goalkeeper. This is a tough one because I feel like Tyler Adams is the type of player that wants to be involved in every single minute. He is captain material. He's not going to want to miss this. However, if you do want to give him a rest to make sure he's sharp for Costa Rica and Costa Rica, despite not scoring goals, not giving up a lot either. So they're going to be, I think, difficult to, to get a result against at home. And knowing that, you know, you want to make sure everybody's fresh and not tired. Like we, like we talked about with El Salvador who rolled out the same guys for three consecutive games and qualifying window one and looked very tired against Canada on the last one. So maybe Acosta here, I'd almost prefer to see Adams, but Acosta has been, such a loyal servant to to the to the country, and he does the job. So I think he could put Acosta here, and then it becomes a little bit. Do you go with Leggett? Uh, Moose is available. I would love to see Musa continue to roll out and, and play, mm-hmm. but but I don't know how many changes you want to make. So uh, this is a tough one. I, I don't like when Acosta and Adams are on the field at the same time. I'll raise my hand and say I think I they duplicate each other. So I, it's either one or the other for there. And then is it Bustio? We saw De La Torre actually come off the bench against Jamaica. So I don't, I don't even know. I think it's going to be some combination of Bustio or De La Torre. And I think it's going to be probably legit at this point. And then I could see him throwing out Acosta. But if Adams was there, I'd be totally cool with that because I like having that consistency in the spine of your team. But Acosta has experience with all these players too. Yep. Then I go with Aronson and Pepe. We knew that was coming because they both got subbed out pretty early. And then I don't think you go with Ariola again. I think he did his job. I think he went out there to run and be a pest and is exactly what he did. And he did it to the highest level. And he created space, especially on that 
First goal for us, we kind of got out of the way. So Musa mm-hmm. and Wea could kind of dominate that channel and end up getting that cross and having the space to do so. So there's little things that I like about Ariola's game. But I'd almost considered Christian Roldan. He scored, uh, I, I saw a crazy stat with him. He scored in four straight games for the Sounders, three in MLS and then the League's Cup final. He had two goals in 21 games prior to that, and he's on fire right now. So maybe you lean into that with Roldan, who's got experience. He's crafty. He knows how to create space. And you let those guys maybe chip away at Panama for the first 60 minutes, and then you bring on a Wea, and then you bring on a fresh Matthew Hoppy, and then and then you just go and just kind of crush him because we've proven we are a bit of a second-half team. So just let some guys grind out the first half, and then we can bring it on. And, and similar to what we did in Honduras, and just when the game opens up when they're tired, we go and smash it and get all three points. No, I think you covered that well. The only other option that I would go with potentially is starting Matthew Hoppy instead of Roldan. I think it yeah, would have fair. previously been a little bit making – it would have made me a little nervous having Brendan Aronson, the old Brendan Aronson, but he continues to get better and show that in these big moments he's he's becoming a more intelligent player, knowing how to keep the ball, win the ball for the team. But that energy between the two of them I think could create some of that, again, verticality that we need. And when I look at how, how El Salvador was successful, that willingness to just attack with numbers, with pace, bring attacks to a conclusion – there's a real value to that. Jimmy, give me give me your closing thoughts on this game before we take a quick break. Well, I, like I said before, I was happy with seven points this particular window. That would be getting the two wins at home, getting a draw away. I'd still take the draw away at this point. You're not allowing Panama to gain any ground on you. And as long as you win your home games and get draws away from home, you're easily going to qualify for the World Cup. I don't think we should deviate from that. And if if we get a draw, great. Way to go, boys. Good professional performance. No problem. Let's mm-hmm. go home and get all three against Costa Rica. If we get the win, I think it's a cherry on top. And and I don't want my expectations of what it looked like against Honduras in the second half to kind of cloud what I think we might see here. But we're going to see a lot of changes. And and as we mentioned, Greg Berhalter, whether you love him or hate him, is definitely pushing the, the right buttons for the squad right now. And I'm here for it. Yeah, I agree. And I, I want everybody to know, by the way, when you go into those games, you never prepare for a draw. You never play for a draw. No, the players of course aren't not. Playing of course for a draw. You, you pr- prepare a game plan that says, at a minimum, control what we can control, right? And you go into that game at a, at a point. You go into the game at a draw. And if you can mm-hmm. hold a clean sheet, if you can fight, if you can stay alive, you do that and hope you can get three points. But at a minimum, you control that, that, that draw side of things. But listen, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the remaining matches on this match day five. If you're listening to this on audio, we'll be right back. If you're watching this on YouTube, stay right with us. All right, everyone, we are back. Uh, Jimmy, let's talk about Jamaica, Canada. I couldn't wait. I was distracted earlier. I was afraid you were going to give me all the gold off the top. <laughs> and I just wanted i wanted our our, I our, our our faithful fans to have to just like wait a little bit longer. Give them, give them the good stuff first, and then we're going to give them the good stuff second. So, so I want to start off by saying that Canada got an away point versus Mexico for the first time or for the third time ever, but for the first time since 1980. And I can't say enough about this Canadian team. As I mentioned before about their commitment and belief, they also have the talent to go along with it. And when they get the results, their confidence is going to grow and grow. And you were talking about Brendan Aronson there, about getting more comfortable and all that. Every time I watch Brendan Aronson play, he seems to be more and more confident in who he is and that he deserves to play for the national team and be an important player for us. And that's so vital in terms of us having success as a group when you have enough players that are, that are feeling that way about themselves and where they fit in. And, and that really speaks to the culture. With that, I think John Herzman has put in place with Canada. Conversely, with Jamaica, they're just all over the place. They didn't really look all that threatening. And when they do, they look a little disjointed. It feels very individualistic in terms of how they're going to create their opportunities. There's not a lot of combination play. It's like, let's put it in a good area and hope and hope we get a second ball or something falls our way or whip it in the box. 
They're, they're always, always going to be decent on set pieces, but, but I, I worry about Jamaica a little bit. And if they lose this game at home, I think they're done. And for me, if Canada really wants to put their flag in the ground going, we are qualifying for this World Cup. We don't hope we, we are. They got to go down and get all three points here because it almost feels like if they lose to Jamaica away, it's not that they wasted that one point against Mexico. That was still valuable because Mexico couldn't gain on any ground on them either. But it does feel like, oh, what did we just do against Mexico if we lost to this Jamaica team? So I feel like Canada is going to go at them. I don't think they're going to let up. I think you're going to see their best lineup. And, and uh, I think this is going to be a Canada win, frankly. Yeah, I agree with that uh, in terms of <clears throat> three points for Canada. They've just got too many ways in which they can play now, right? We mm-hmm, saw mm-hmm. With, with, when Canada is disciplined and willing to fight. And again, I, I go back to that stupid stereotype of of everyone in this summer making fun of the coach for saying we're playing it like a a, a cup final or a, a, a we're playing it like a tournament final for every game in the Gold Cup. And th- there was just the mentality that I think they built into this team with a depleted roster and these different guys. And we saw when they played their first game against Honduras they thought they were a little bit better than they were in terms of their uh, need to fight for space on the field, right? They they had a bunch of big players and they seemed to sort of think that they could just play through everything because they have the quality to do so. Right, right. But w- then I think they got a little bit of a gut punch that was that that told them like, hey, no, no, no. Again, sa- similar to the U.S., you got all the quality in the world. You got all the quality to qualify, but your mentality has to be first. And I think they were they were quick to figure that out and saying, we got to scrap and fight and we got to be disciplined. And then the rest will, will happen. And they have the ability to build up. Like you said, possession against Mexico, they have the ability to connect passes together through their midfield and break down lines and through possession. But they also have the ability to spring forward quickly and 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 hit you with a one-two punch that that has them now in front of goal-creating chances with Jonathan David, with Alfonso Davies, you know, with Tejon Buchanan. I mean, yeah, those are three yeah. of what I think would be a top 10 players in, in CONCACAF now in your front line attacking, running at you. And, and, you know, of course, all those players don't want to just sit in a counterattack system all day long, but it just shows you the versatility and the ways in which they can beat you makes it harder to prepare against, right? You sit back deep and they could probably break you down. You press them high and they can play more direct. And I think that's hard to stop. And if you're Jamaica, uh, it's just about neutralizing again, that speed and transition that, that they do have. And, you know, with, with the side that Jamaica just looks a little bit defeated, a little bit confused, a little bit, a little bit like, kind of like we almost had a great team here. If, some circumstances were different. COVID, right. I think, is is the number one factor. No that, fans that either in this them. one. They're not allowed oh, to have fans yeah. in this one. So it's going to be difficult. I'll just jump in and say what I also enjoy about Canada. That, and we've seen it before. We played against them before, Heath. They were always tough to break down. But you could, you knew at some point there was going to be something that you could you could poke a hole in, right? They were vulnerable in some area. And could they manage that that stout defensive posture for 90 minutes? And we knew back in the day that they couldn't. That that at some point there was going to be a breakdown, and we can we have to exploit that breakdown. And once you score or get a good opportunity, you could see them start to doubt themselves, and then we would gain confidence in that, and then we'd end up winning one zero, two zero, whatever it is. This Canada team defensively are so good, and they fight and they scrap in a way that maybe I haven't seen them do consistently. We've seen it in game, right, for forty five minutes, fifty minutes, but for like ninety minutes, these guys are a pain in the ass to play against. And Mexico just learned that the hard way. This most one, we we learned it the hard way in the first qualifying window, so. There's a lot of elements on both sides of the ball that I really like about this Canadian team. I said they were going to qualify, uh, you know, before this whole thing started. And I think I haven't changed my mind by any stretch. In fact, I've just gained more confidence in that prediction. I like that. Let's move on to Costa Rica versus El Salvador. Obviously, let's look at Costa Rica through the lens of 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 the U.S. men's national team, knowing that we play them and on match day six, the third of of three games in this in this window. 
Uh, they're playing at home against El Salvador, who got, who just got their first win. Again, weren't registering a whole lot previously to that. Um, and now El Salvador have found themselves <clears throat> in the mix on pure fight alone. They're playing against the Costa Rica side who, you know, Costa Rica will always be Costa Rica in my mind. Maybe I look through them through the lens of which we played against Costa Rica and, and the challenges that they have. I mean, do you expect three points from them in, in this one against El Salvador? For me, Costa Rica at home, they missed a big opportunity not beating this Jamaica team in the last qualifying window. That could come back to bite them as we start to get really tight here towards the end and we're trying to compile points. They could look back on that match day going, how did that, how do we even allow that to happen? This is another one. El Salvador, the only team so far in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying to have three clean sheets over the first four games. So you have to take that into consideration. They're, they're, they're hard to play against. Costa Rica, though, only one goal scored in their last six. So I got 0-0 written all over this one. <laughs> I don't think it's going any other way. This is like 0-0. Yeah. And I fear with Costa Rica, maybe their coach can see it too, uh, Luis Suarez, not that Luis Suarez, though I wish it was that Luis Suarez who's flying back and forth to coach uh, Costa Rica in qualifying. But but it, I, I get the sense that they commit too many numbers forward. They know they're going to get exposed going the other way. And they just are so pragmatic about how they approach and how they move as a group. It just gets a little stifled. And they get a little predictable on offense. El Salvador, I think, does have a little something. They got a little sauce, El Salvador, that I really appreciate yep. and, and enjoy. So they could go in there and potentially steal the points, but I got a 0-0 here. I just, based on the stats that we're seeing, based on how both teams are performing, uh, given that Costa Rica went to Honduras and got a 0-0, like they're they're built to get 0-0s. They might, they might be the the Porto, uh, you know, the Champions League, who just, or even Chelsea, that's kind of 0-0-1-0 their way into qualifying for the World Cup. They got some work to do, but if they can't score goals, ultimately that's going to come back to bite them. I just I could see a draw here because I, I have a lot more respect for El Salvador than than maybe or maybe more people should have more respect for them because they're a good team. They are a good team and they are difficult to play against. I, I don't know uh, the longevity of that over all of this, but I do think a point certainly helps the U.S. and start to create more of that gap, right? Because you don't want Costa Rica to to find their form and be able to track their way back in. And I also like our odds against an El Salvador side in terms of leaving them from that middle pack when you're thinking about through the lens of the U.S. and trying to separate, right? You want to get the one and two to run away within CONCACAF. Maybe even the front three when you're talking about playing 14 games now. Uh, that might be a huge challenge with Canada and the way that they're playing uh, as well. So let's move on, Jimmy, to Mexico contra Honduras. Yes. Catrachos. Um, another team that I was really impressed with the start, and then they just haven't gotten the points to show some of the quality when I looked at the way that they played against Canada, as I mentioned before, uh, now playing away to Mexico. Mexico getting two home games in a row. What's your take on this one? So Honduras, again, we talked about it in the preview. Through the first three games, they were very good for the two and a half of them. Got a 1-1 mm -hmm. draw against Canada, then a 0-0, and then you know, they lost to us. But they were up 1-0 at halftime. So they were they were good. And against Costa Rica in their first match of this qualifying window, match day four is that you want to call it, uh, they had 67% possession versus Costa Rica. They outshot Co the Ticos 25 to four. They had expected goals as 1.8 to Costa Rica's 0.2, which speaks to why I'm going zero zero with that other game. And this Honduras team, you can't sleep on them. And Mexico has to know that. Now I feel like Tata Martino and, and his coaching staff and the players are under a, a, a huge amount of pressure. They went up one zero on Canada and usually when you when you when you have a lead in Azteca, it's they don't relinquish it. No, they did give up a goal against Jamaica in the first match day mm -hmm. that that they had to come back and score in the 89th minute. So there is some vulnerability in this Mexican team that maybe we haven't seen 
well, it continues to happen to them in some ways. I thought Hector Moreno was going to start. I think he's going to come back into this one. I think they need him. His presence is just a little bit different in that back line. When he's not there, you, I think you can you can tell. Mm-hmm. And uh, outside of that, though, I, I like Mexico. They're, they're still a good team. They're going to qualify for this World Cup. I just don't think it's going to be as aesthetically pleasing as Mexican fans want, where they're cruising, they're number one the whole time. It's just not that easy, right? It's just this is CONCACAF. Chaos is what we expect and what we get. And it's not going to be easy for anyone. And ultimately, that's going to make you a better team as you head into the World Cup anyway. So hopefully Mexican fans can chill out. I like Tata Martino. And if you fired him, I don't know who you'd bring in at this point. So you have to take that into consideration, too. But, you know, if he loses this game, he is he I don't know if he'd get fired. But, man, he would be really close to getting fired. I just I I mean, they're second place. I know it's U.S. versus Mexico, ultimately, with the job of Tata Martino. But like. Lose this game, you still might be in second place, uh, and, yeah, yeah. and like you're, you're technically in first on goal difference. So I, I think, again, it's it's all a game of moments right now, and there's plenty of games to play. And I think this the squad, but they do look vulnerable, Jimmy. And I agree with you. Let's go through real quick and give our uh, score predictions. I know that you've given them along the way, but uh, starting with Panama versus US, which by the way again is 6:05 p.m. Eastern time on Paramount Plus. What's your score prediction for this one, Jimmy? Yeah, my heart says two one US. My brain says 1-1. 0-0 1-1. Uh, in the Costa Thank you so much, Jimmy Conrad. And guys, remember, <clears throat> sorry, I'm running out. of. I haven't drank enough water. We're doing yeah, this clearly. in the morning. Hydration is key. Yeah, yeah, hydration is key, especially when you're playing in uh, away CONCACAF qualifier, <laughs> Central Maker, which I don't have to do. I'm literally living at sea level. I should be fine. But don't forget to tune in to the K Golasso podcast uh, YouTube channel on, sorry, the K Golasso YouTube channel on Sunday night for our live recap of Panama versus U.S. and the rest of the match day CONCACAF's World Cup qualifiers, whether it's a celebration or a venting session, we want you to be part of the conversation. Hit us up in the comment section with your questions, takes, bright ideas. Uh, you can yell at Jimmy. You can yell at me. You Do guys it. were great the oh, last time around. It makes the conversation so much better than Jimmy and I just yelling back and forth at each other. You bring some really great insight. Some of it is, uh, some of you uh, just love to stir the pot, which, which we are here for. So if you have a question <laughs> for us, then head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Send us your question, and we'll try to get that onto the next pod. As a reminder, Jimmy and I will be with you in the post-game recap, in audio form, and the live recap on YouTube. And until then, we are sounding off.